So uh, let's get into the word today. There's so many things. Am I missing something? No? We're good? All right. So last week, my wife started the series on our identity. And, uh, and there's, there's an eight-part teaching to what she taught, okay? And so back there, there's a, a wall with flyers, you know, on the left side in, the, in, in this building. Um, and there's one that says Song of Solomon, okay? So we corrected the flyer, and now it has two QR codes. It has one in Spanish, one in English, okay? The English side, if you scan that with your phone, it'll take you to YouTube Plays with eight parts where you can continue listening to everything that she taught last week. Okay, so this is, uh, to talk on, uh, about identity is a extremely broad subject. It's, it's, it's never ending. There's so many places in the Bible that we could go to and listen, and there's so many different examples, and there's so many different uh, stories, you know, that, that we could go off of, and Song of Solomon is one of them. So I encourage you to listen to that. There's another one also back there called uh, Who's God's Favorite? That's also on identity, you know, and it's based out of the life of Joseph. So I encourage you to go and, and listen to those things and start getting soaked into, into your identity in Christ. Um, there is, uh, there's two dangerous sides where we can fall into when we're talking about identity, okay? One is the religious side, okay? And the religious side is the one that speaks bad about themselves. I am nothing, you know, God is everything. I'm just a poor little sinner who, you know, by the grace of God, you know, has been forgiven, but will never amount to much, you know? And there's, there's that kind of mentality that is false humility, and it has stripped our true identity out, you know, with a false humility, right? So we don't want to end up on that side because we end up being powerless and just victims and just, you know, not really taking the territory that God is, has given us and the things he's called us to do. But then there's another side, okay? And the other extreme side is the one, it, we know it as humanism, okay? And what humanism is, is what it says, well, I've discovered how powerful I am, how great I was made by somebody, some creator, something I don't really care, but I've discovered how amazing God made me and how great I am and I don't need God and I don't need Jesus and I don't need anybody else. You know, I am all that myself. And a lot of times there's a very successful people in the world that you see that can accomplish a whole lot because they have tapped into a few of the principles of finding out, you know, how amazing they were really created because we were all created by God regardless of whether we believe in him or not. Okay, and so where we want to be, you know, is, it, is in the place where, where we know our identity, but we know that it is only in and through Christ, right, that we can do all those things. Because at the end of the story, the humanism side is still empty and lonely and has no true joy, no true peace at the end of the day. On the outside, it looks very great and very successful, but it has no eternity in it. Listen to me. It has no eternity in it, Okay. And so I want us to, uh, we're going to read a couple of scriptures, and today I'm not going to finish. Today is, is, you know, I will continue next week as well. And, um, and, and really today is called a discovery, because that's, that's really what I feel it is. It's, it's a discovery for yourself, because it's impossible to tell you everything that you need to do. That's called religion, right? But it is our job to get introduced to God's word and introduced to him, so that alongside with him, we continue walking and having this relationship, personal relationship with God, where every day he's telling us and repeating to us who we are, what he created us to do. Are you with me? 
Okay, so a lot of people don't ever find satisfaction and true peace and true joy because they never really connect with the one that created them. Okay, and so it's like, it's like a, a dog chasing his tail, right? Like they think like there's the next thing, so there's the next thing, you know, and it's the, now I'm really going to be happy, now I'm really going to be happy if I accomplish this, if I do this, if I get this, you know, now I'm really going to be happy and then it just never happens, you know. And they might get things, you know, they might accomplish things, so for a moment it might look great, okay. So go with me to um, the book of Colossians, please, and we're going to read, if we have it up there, we can put it in uh, chapter 3. So this is what the Lord spoke to me a few months ago when I was studying for this. He said, people are asking the wrong question. Everybody wants to know what was I created to do? What is my purpose? What was I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, right? Because why? Because they're not finding happiness in all these other places. They're not finding true joy. You know, they go down this career, and at the end of the day, eh, they're not happy. You know, they go down this one, and at the end of the day, it's not happy. They get together with this group of people, and at the end of the day, it's still not happy, right? Because it's not satisfying. It's not eternal, okay? So people are asking the wrong question. They're asking, what am I supposed to do? Because they think that if they know the what, then they'll be happy. But that question is wrong in the first place. You know, people think, um, you know, they look at somebody successful and think, what do they have that I don't have? What do they know that I don't know, Right? Like how many, how many people have gotten sold on a, you know, one of these programs because I am going to tell you something you don't know that is going to make you rich, right? I'm going to sell you and tell you the thing, right? And, and, and so there's a lot of thinking of what do they know? What do they have, you know? Uh, or we think, hey, they're so successful. What family were they born, were they born into? What country uh, were they are they from? What, uh, what career did they go? What school, I mean, what career did they study? What school did they go? What uh, accomplishments do they have that I don't have? And we start looking at all the things, right? Well, let me examine their lives. You know, maybe, and what are we trying to do? We're trying to find a formula. We're trying to find rules. If I do everything, and then at the end of the day, you go, well, you know, I wasn't born in the same family. Well, I wasn't born in the same country. Well, I wasn't. And we find out that all these things we thought would make a rule actually make exceptions, and they're not really the answer for any of it, you know. And then at the end of the day, even if you got to accomplish what somebody else did, and now you have the same thing looking the outside, and you still find yourself unsatisfied, why is that? Because it's not you. We were all uniquely created. That's just, that's just a scientific fact. We're all completely different. There's no two of you. You're an original. Tell the person next to you, you're an original. Not, not vintage, all right? Let's not get rude or anything like that. There's only one of you. There's only one of you. You know how hard that is? I mean, what is it, like 7 billion people living on planet Earth today, right? And they're all different, right? That's amazing. I heard this pastor, he, he was talking about how so many things are different, you know, and, and like all the flowers that you think are the same, they're different, you know? They have different prints and... And, and rocks and fish and like all these things are just all different. 
And you think, like, God is amazing. Like, how could he make everything so amazing and yet still unique, you know? And so people are asking the wrong question there, right? They're asking what? Or why didn't I get that? Why wasn't I born in that family? Why wasn't I born in that country? Why, wasn't, why didn't I go to Harvard? Why, Harvard? Why couldn't I have the same opportunities? Why was I born in this neighborhood, right? And we think like all these in the, really end up being just excuses, right? So we're asking the wrong question. What's the right question? I said, Lord, what is the right question? Hmm. And he gave me three things. Um, and we're going to read Colossians 3 first, okay? So we're going to go with verse 1 through 3. And then we're going to jump over to verse 9. Okay, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Okay, say new life. Okay, where does everything start? Everything starts at birth, right? Everything starts at birth. That's, that's when you're born, you know, then... then you start receiving affection. As a matter of fact, before you're born, you start receiving affection, right? You start identifying voices. When you're born, right, you start receiving identity, right? From dad, supposed to be, from mom, nurture, like all these things, right? And you start being formed. I would say by age, what, eight? Five? Age five, somebody has like most of their beliefs, you know, core beliefs, 80% of that, you know? And so it all starts you know, with new life. So many people ask that question, right? Like, oh, if I would have been born there, if I would have grown up there, if I, like something always relating to the beginning, how things started, if it would have been, right? So Jesus solved that for all of us. And that's what he told Nicodemus. It's like, you must be born again, right? He's like, how can I go into my mom's stomach? He's like, not like that. It's spiritual, right? And when you're born again, we are given a, a new life. And so that's why I say, like, our identity, really, is, this is the discovery of who we really are. Because to know what we're supposed to do, we need to know who we are. There's more to that. And then it says, so you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Okay, so it's so since we've been set, since we've been raised to new life, right? You're, when you when you get baptized, it's a picture of what happened when you were born again. You died with Christ, and you rose again with Him. And when you rose again, when you're born again, you rose to what? Say it again. New life, okay? So we have new life. We were born again. We have a new opportunity. Spiritually, we are new. So that means there's a new opportunity for everything, okay? One that you cannot mess up. But I've been away from church for so long, and I messed up so much, even after I was born again. You can't mess it up, if, because you were born out of an uncorruptible seed. When you were born again, you were not born out of a corrupted seed, but an uncorruptible seed. So you're a new creation, like you're sealed. Your spirit is sealed. Can't mess it up. And it says, because of that, now your eyes need to be on the realities of heaven, not on the realities of earth. On the things of God, on the things of the kingdom, not on the things of this world, right? Matthew 6.33 tells us, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and then all this other stuff, 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 stuff will just be added unto you. Are you following me? 
Why? Because it's a new life. We were born and raised to new life. And it says in verse 2, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That is amazing. That means if your sights are not set on the things of heaven, if you're not seeking the kingdom of God first, then you're, leaving, you're living a fake life. You're not living your real life because you were born again. And since you're born again, you know, your mind and your sights need to be set on the things of the kingdom of heaven. If they're not, then you're living a fake life. It's like you're from over there, but you're just busy with, you know, stuff. You have a kingdom assignment, but you're, you're busy with, like, little things of earth, like cars and houses and money and, 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 and jobs and, you know. I'm not saying to, you know, dismiss those things, right? But the Bible tells us because we're new creation, because we were born again. So now you worry about that and all the other stuff that you do need and that God wants you to have will be added onto you. Right? It's a new life, therefore you need to learn how to live the new life. Otherwise, you're going to be living your new life, but not really walking in it. Right? You're a new creation, but you're living a fake life because it says right here, it says you died to this life, your real life is hidden with Christ and God. I want to live my real life. Say with me, I want to live my real life. Because for as long as you're living your fake life, you will never find true joy and everlasting peace. You will always be striving. You will always be... Okay, let me give you an example. <clears throat> this, you get one if you come to men's group. <laughs> See, this is like, just think for a moment. This is... Your new life, okay? Your new creation, nice shiny knife, right? Sharpest tool in the drawer, <laughs> right? But hey, it's just a keychain, right? So I'm just just gonna use it as a keychain because that's that's all I see. I just see a keychain. I have a great keychain, right? And then I find myself camping or whatever and needing some tools, but I don't have any. I just have a keychain, right? See, when you know the designer, the creator, and you start finding out that you're not just a keychain. You actually are a pretty sharp knife, right? And wait a minute, it doesn't end there. You can also open up old Coke bottles that nobody makes anymore. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You have a screwdriver also, right? And, uh, and a weapon of self-defense. Because... And a, you know, a Phillips screwdriver. So what happens is like a lot of us are, you know, just like we keep them all in. We have no idea that it's, that we're more than just a nice shiny keychain, right? Because we haven't spoken, we haven't discovered, we haven't talked to the designer. We, we don't know what our purpose is. We're just like, if, it, uh, if you go with me to uh, verse uh, nine, right there in Colossians three, says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You have stripped off all your sinful nature. It says, verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed 
as you learn, watch this, learn to know your creator and become like him. <laughs> you got to put on your new nature and you have to learn to know your creator. Right? And then you start walking in this. Right? Then you become like him. You act like him. We were already created in his likeness and image. What happened is that we had a sinful nature. Right? But when you were born again, a sinful nature was gone. You're no longer a sinner. But I sin. But that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You know, sometimes we do things that are against our identity. Like, that's not who we are. But the devil wants to accuse us and label us with those things, right? So if you believe that you're a sinner, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep on sinning. Because every good sinner does that. And when you start believing your true identity in God, that you're actually the righteousness of God, then you start behaving like that, the righteousness of God. See, Pastor Kara taught last week, and she taught us the process. You know, the religious process says you behave, you believe, and then you maybe belong. But God's process is like you belong. By faith, you've made new creation, right? You put your faith in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. You belong to him. You're made a son and a daughter. That's it. Because of your faith, not because of your behavior. Not because of what you were able to say out of your mouth. Right? But because what you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you've been made righteous. So you belong. Then you believe. It empowers you to actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Romans 12, 2. I'm being transformed. Right? I'm believing different. And then what that leads you to, it leads you to then behaving differently. Right? You belong. Then you believe. Then you behave. <clears throat> okay. So, I want to write some things down here on the board that will help, um, help you see this, this process, okay? The Lord said, you're asking the wrong question. It's not what. The first one is whose, okay? Say with me, whose. And I mean, like, not who's from Whoville, but but as in belonging, okay? Whose am I? Okay? And this is so important. And that's what we, we talked about in the previous series. What did we talk about? The true nature of God. God is good, always good, and only good. Right? So people are asking what? Right? But the what is only going to leave us in performing and works and trying one thing, trying another thing, trying this, try that now. Let's see when I feel happy. This is the wrong way. That accumulates a lot of years of pain and, you know, and frustration. See, what we just read here is that you need to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn, see, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So when we know God's true nature, when we know whose we are, right, not just that we belong to him, but who is he that we belong to? Right? Who is he? He's a good God. He's a good father. Right? When I know whose I am. See, it, everything changes. And I said this in the previous series. I can't teach that right now. But we said that what you perceive about God, how you see God determines how you relate to him, your relationship with him, and how you receive from him. So if I think my whose is an angry God, a punishing God, 
a God that sends sickness to teach lessons, if that's who I think I am whose, then I don't know if I want to be that close to whose, <laughs> right? I'm killing grammar right now. Right? I, I don't, okay, I am his, but, you know, he is touchy. Sometimes he strikes people with lightnings, and I, you know, just don't know. But that's not who he is, right? So that's why it's important that I have the right view and perspective of God's true nature. And when I do that, then I'm able to know who I am. Okay? And who I am is like, like I was telling you, like this knife, you know? It's thought it was just a keychain, but through discovery, right? Through maybe talking to the creator that it belongs to, you know, I'm told, hey, you know what? I actually made you with a pretty cool feature right here that you can, you know, do this, fix things, open stuff up, you know, tighten screws and fix stuff. But it's through the discovery, right? And it's in relationship with him, like this is in Colossians, right? Learning as you learn to know your creator. And then the last one here, is what? It's the very last question. What I'm supposed to do. And what I'm supposed to do, I, don't, I can't really know unless I know who I am. Okay? And I can't really know who I am if I don't know who's my creator, who, who designed me. Because the design is going to tell me what my purpose is. Right? This is not a hammer. Sometimes I get upset and I use it like a hammer, but no, I'm just kidding, right? But is it, is it, it isn't a hammer, so it's gonna be, I'm going to be really frustrated if I'm using it as a hammer, right? Because it's not going to be able to do what it's supposed to do. This is not a phone, right? Can't do that. It'll be frustrating. See, that's the reason why so many people live frustrated in their lives. They're frustrated because they don't know what they're supposed to do, Right? And they keep trying different things. They don't know what they're supposed to do because they don't know who they are. They don't know the designer, the creator, because if they knew the creator and how good he was, then he, they would be in a relationship where they're always listening from him like, hey, this is why you have this strength. And this one, you think it's a weakness, but you're actually in a really dysfunctional place because it's actually supposed to be a strength. You know, you get things done. But then you think that you're supposed to be mean to get things done. You're not supposed to be mean. You just need to know me better, right? You need to know how much I love you. You need to know what you were created for. Then you can use that gift, right, in the right context. Are you getting something out of this? You're super quiet. Okay. So, hold on. Whose we are speaks of him, his nature, okay? That flows into who we are, which speaks of our nature. And remember, we're talking about a new nature. You're not a piece of garbage. You're an amazing treasure. God created you. You're unique. There's not another one like you. And that flows, right? We're fully sons and daughters, fully loved, fully acceptable, okay? And we draw from him. See, we draw from him. The problem is a lot of times um, what to do. This is purpose. Okay? So whose flows into who, which flows into what? Okay? The problem is a lot of people are drawing value from what they do. They're drawing identity from what they do. 
Who are you? Oh, I am a real estate agent. Who are you? I'm a mechanic. Who are you? I'm a plumber. Who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm just a mom. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? And we just, we get identity and, you know, a value from how well we're doing these things. Right? And that's a problem. Because the moment those things fail, then you immediately attack yourself and destroy yourself and beat yourself up. And you confirm to you that, see, I'm good for nothing. I'm a failure. Because we get identity out of the wrong place. Identity is supposed to come from the Father. It's supposed to come from who we are in Him. In Christ. See, everything in the New Testament, you read, you know, all the empowerment stuff, and it says you have the mind of Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ Jesus, right? Everything that he's called us to do is in him and through him. Why? Because that's our new nature. We died to the old, old self, right? And we were born again in him. He empowers us. So I'm going to be very frustrated if I'm trying to draw identity from what I do. And that's where you find there's the, this religious side, right, that, that says, like, i got to perform, 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 right? And that's, that will determine how valuable I am. And I better keep this up. You know, otherwise, you know, I'm no good. And that's where people beat themselves down, right? And they keep themselves in this religious humility. Well, I'm just, you know, not good enough. Hey, that was a great song. You, you sang so great. You know, I used to tell this to worship leaders, like, you know, man, you really sang that so good. They're like, oh, it's not me. It's all God. I'm like, wait, it wasn't that good, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> instead of just like, thank you, right? Just receive. And so, so when we draw from what we do, it's an unsustainable source. It's exhausting. What happens when, you know, what happens when you don't look that good? What happens when you start getting some wrinkles? What happens when you start, you know, not being able to perform as well as you did before? What happens when you can't make as much money as you did before? What happens when something external, you know, your identity goes, your value goes, you know, in the drain. So it's not sustainable. That's why the discovery of who we are in him, of our new identity, of new creatures in Christ Jesus, right? That can only come from him and as we get to know him. That's why it's important, number one, that we know who he really is, how good he really is. He's not mad at us, right? He's not looking to punish us. He's a good God, always good and only good. Amen. Then it flows into who I am. Because when I know his nature, then I can really know my nature accurately. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a purpose and a future and hope, right? Like, they're good plans. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, I formed you before I, before, uh, what does it say? Put verse 1. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, right? Do we have that? Jeremiah 1, 5. Okay, well, what is he saying, right? Before we were even born, he knew us. Like, it's like the designer of this knife. 
before he made it, he pictured it in his head. He knew the knife. He knew, I'm going to have a blade on this side. It's going to be not too thick, but not too small. It's going to be nice and smooth and shiny. It's going to have this little grip thing right here, right? He knew it before he formed it, before it was born, before it was in anybody's hand. He knew it, and that's God. He knew you. You know, um, a friend uh, this week said, you know, God not only knew you before he formed you, he, he dreamt about you. He dreamt you. It's like, and he was excited to make you. And then he made you. And then boom. And then you come up. Right? Nice, shiny, sharp. And you're like, I want to be an iPhone. <laughs> Are you kidding me? See what I'm saying? You know, science proves that Whenever you try to be somebody else or you want to be someone else, you actually harm yourself inside. Your brain suffers. Your organs suffer. Like whenever you're thinking and having desires, I wish I was like that person. I wish I was like him. I wish I was so-and-so. I wish I was born there. I wish I was this and that and that. Like you actually hurt inside. Your organs, you know why? Because your body does not know how to be anybody else. It does not. It only knows, it was only created to be you. And what, what has become so easy in the humanistic view is like, well, let's see, who can I copy? Mm, that one looks good, let me try to be that one. And what happens, we end up hurting ourselves, right? We end up having people uh, in hopelessness, why? Because they've tried and tried and tried and it's all hopeless. So now let's try to change our gender, maybe that'll do it. And guess what happens? Suicide rate, why? Because after doing something so crazy and so drastic that has no reverse, you know, find out they've actually ruined everything, still not happy, still not at peace, there's no hope left. Hey, you don't even have to do that. How many people take their lives because there's no hope? Because there is no reason to live, no purpose. I've tried this, I've tried that, been bullied for trying to be myself, so then, you know, what's the point? And people ending their lives because of hopelessness. Because we were created to know him and to get who we are from him, right? And then we're able to do what he called us to do in peace and joy and thrive in that. So the what is our purpose, right? Speaks of our design, our gifts, our strengths, our desires, and when you're walking in that, it produces real joy, not just temporary joy. You know, stuff and things, you know, and copying somebody else and obtaining what they had or, or the results they had, it's, it's only temporary. It goes away and you need another one. It's like an addiction. It just, it's never satisfied. But when you start tasting, you know, of, of doing the things that he called you to do, and you're walking in relationship with him. You experience a joy that is eternal. You experience eternity, right? And that's why I was saying here in the, in the first scriptures, uh, in Colossians 3, 1 uh, through 3, it says, to keep our eyes on the things of heaven. Because we're new creation. See, when, when you're a new creation, it's telling you the things of this world, you know, they're temporary. 
they're not meant to satisfy you and to, and to give you fullness of joy. And it, it's only him. So when you keep your eyes set and you keep seeking the kingdom of God first, then you really experience fullness of joy. You really experience peace. You really experience satisfaction. You know, the Bible says that he has pleasures at his, at his right hand for us. Pleasure. Everybody's looking for pleasure in every place, in every form, in every substance, in every relationship, in everything. People are looking for pleasure and happiness, right? And then when it, when it, when it's over in the morning and they have a hangover, what do they need to do? Go get some more of that, right? Go get more of that poison. <laughs> but it's killing you. So we become addicted to so many other things, you know? Let me tell you something. There's people that are addicted to serving at church. And so when we, when we see that, we go, hey, you've been working super hard. You want to take a break? And guess what? They have a breakdown. Because their whole identity is wrapped in what they can do and not in who they are. Who are we? Are you getting something out of this? Okay. All right. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, please. Okay. And I'm going to read um, verse uh, 30. Oh. 38. Right there, there it is. It says, then Saul gave David his own armor. Okay? Now, let me, let me give you a little context here. Everybody has heard of David and Goliath, right? And, um, and so the army was getting threatened by Goliath. You know, he was calling for one person to come and fight him. And then David is just like bringing lunch to his brothers. You know, I think he worked for Uber Eats or something like that. <laughs> And his dad sent him in. He's like, hey, bring him lunch. You know, he brings lunch. And he's like, what's happening? Why is everybody so scared? You know, they're like, oh, well, this, you know, this giant is challenging us, but nobody will go fight him. You know, he's like, okay. And, and so the king calls him, right, after he's inquiring about this situation. And, and David's like, hey, I'll fight him, right? And the king's like, oh, come on, you're a little boy. How are you going to fight him, you know? Saul was tall and handsome and strong and was wearing a white shirt like this. No, I'm just kidding, you know. And, and David was, I mean, David was good looking, the Bible says, but he was just, you know, a little, little teenager, right? And, uh, and David's like, no, listen, king, I, I watch over the sheep, and when a bear comes, you know, I defend them, and when a lion comes, you know, I, I beat him up, and I, and I saved the sheep, and I fought lions and bears, and, you know, and I killed them. So I said, I'll take care of this, you know, this giant. And Saul's like, all right, I guess so. All right, so here's what happens, you know. Verse 38 says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. Okay? So David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two. Now imagine, this is a... This is not just, you know, like a bulletproof vest. This is like a full-on armor, right? And the guy is way taller than David, right? And, 
And now David is trying to walk with this. He's like, he took one, one or two steps to see what it was like, for he had never won such things before. And then he said, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took him off. See? And that's what it's like, you know? A lot of people are putting on Saul's armor to go and do what God called them to do. And it just doesn't work that way. So what did David do? He, he said, I'm going to be me. And I'm good with this sling. And so he went and grabbed the little rocks, took off all the stuff, and just went up and met this Philistine, right? And killed him. One stone to the head. When you're walking in who you were created to be, what you're supposed to do is easy. You're not supposed to strive all the time. But many of us have chosen to put on Saul's armor because it's worked for somebody else. Right? And we're frustrated. And we're tired because we have to carry this dang thing. And it's like, you can't even move because you're trying to be somebody else. That is Saul's armor, not your armor. And let me tell you, it was an amazing armor. Probably one of the best armors in the kingdom. It was the king's armor, right? It was good. And it had led Saul through many battles. And he had won with it. But it was not David's. It was Saul's. You know, sometimes we like what other people's stuff looks like. We like what their business looks like. We like what their job looks like. We like what their ministry looks like. We like what, you know, that looks really cool, right? And we're chasing after something else other than what we really think we're chasing. You know, we're chasing after like, man, they look happy. I want to look happy. I want to be happy too, right? So you chase after the things that you think made them happy. When in fact it wasn't the things, it was just them knowing who they are, who they are, and doing what, you know, what God put in front of them. And God put Goliath in front of David. You know, he's like, here you go. This is your moment. This is your time. But it's not going to happen in the armor. It's going to happen you being you. That's why we don't have a dress code at this church, you know. We, we try to go with as little rules as possible. <laughs> we do want order, right? But, um, but see what you mean, what, what I mean is like, you know, this, this can turn into religion, just what I do, what I do, what I do, you know. And God wants it to be a relationship, right? He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to hear from him. He wants us to know for ourselves you know, who does he say I am? What has he created me for? What are my strengths? You know, there's one thing I love about personality tests, you know. I know you've probably done one too many, but listen. <laughs> the cool thing about it is that you're knowing yourself, you know. And a lot of times people don't know who they are. And growing up, all you were told is like, this is good, this is bad. When you do this, it's not good. When you do that, it's not bad. You know, it's not good. And, and so we grow up not really clearly identifying what our strengths are, what, what are some things that we're just toxic about and they're showing up in a wrong way, but they're actually supposed to be a strength, right? 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's not bad to be direct. You can be direct, you know, but maybe you're direct, intimidating somebody in your family that told you, no, don't ever be like that. Don't talk like that, right? And so you, you're holding back from something that, you know, it's a strength in you. You know, being direct is, is good. Learning how to wield that is not being rude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have so many notes. Um, can you uh, can you put up Ephesians two ten, please? It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. 21 says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, it says, throw off your old sinful nature. Throw it off. Say, throw it off. <laughs> like, that's like, it doesn't say fold it, put it in a drawer for when you need it. No. It says, throw it off. Okay? And your former way of life, right? Which was, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Right? Again, same thing that we study in Romans 12 too. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Thank you, God, for including attitude in there. <sighs> Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, it doesn't say work hard to earn it. Work hard to be it. It says just put it on. Put it on. It's all through relationship. You will never get a drive-through experience with God. Never. It will never be like, just like, you know, as easy as that. No, he wants you close. You know, many people are like, hey, can you just send it, you know, to me? Send me the instructions. Tell me what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do, right? And we are begging. People are begging for religion, right? Put the yoke on me. Tell me. And God's like, that's not how I work. That's not how I roll. He's like, we walk together. That's why you died and you rose again to new life in me. You're in him. He's in you. You can't be split. You can only ignore him. You can ignore him, right? And pretend to live a different life, right? But if you truly want to live a life that is fully satisfying and joy, you will never find it. In what you do, you will only find it in who you are in your relationship with him. And out of there, what you're supposed to do will be like King David killing Goliath. It'll just be, it'll just be easy. You know I, know, I know some people are like, no, life is not easy. Life is not easy. You know what? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's been too easy for me. But I'm not looking for it to get harder. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I want to walk in grace, you know, and, and what the grace of God does is it empowers me to do the great things he's called me to do, but not in my strength, in his strength. See, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So that I can run a long life, right? And it's with him and it's not on my own strength. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that if it's hard, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not God. I'm not saying that at all. But a lot of times, the hard part is just in the mind. 
the real battle is up here. It's not hard to get up and go work out in the morning. It's hard here. <laughs> it's not hard to say no to sugar. It's not hard. It's hard here. So at the end of this, I'm going to close, but at the end of this, my question does my question is not what do they have that I don't? What do they do that I need to do? What it's what do they believe that I don't believe? What do they believe about God? What do they believe about themselves that I don't? And that's where that's where we start our discovery with God, you know. Like if I know who he is, right? Which we did extensively before we started this series, right? Then I will accurately know who I am, which will then lead me into what I'm supposed to do. And that will come a lot easier than the other way. That will be full of grace. So that discovery is all over the Bible, you know? That's Song of Solomon, you know, where you can see the, the journey that as believers, as sons and daughters of God, we're supposed to walk through, right, in the eight chapters of Song of Solomon. You know, that's, that's in the life of Joseph, you know, who's God's favorite, you know, that, that's the other seers. Like, that's everywhere you go. It's like God is telling you, you are mine. You belong to me. You know, there's many scriptures I didn't get to. Uh, you can write these down, Romans 14, 8. Actually, if you guys have it up, just put it up real quick, Romans 14, 8. And then, uh, and then 1 Corinthians 3.23. Um, because these are, uh, you know, it's just in the word. It's telling us constantly, who do we belong to? It says, if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.23. Let's go to that one. You belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. Right? And then the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart, we confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, we are, we are saved, right? And we're, we're made what? Sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. Who am I? I'm not what I do. Stop getting value and, you know, identity out of what you do. Who you are is you're a child of God. That's who I am. All the other things are the things that I do. Do I feel good when I do something good? Yes, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But my value, my identity doesn't come from that. See, I don't beat myself up every time something goes wrong. I go, oh, well, that doesn't change who I am. Who you are doesn't change. You're still a son and a daughter of God. And the Bible tells us that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So a lot of the discovery that I'm talking about is finding out all the lies. And what is that? It's all the things that I used to draw my value and identity from. And I know many, many raise your hand if you've been thinking about some of those things throughout this whole teaching. What things you draw your value from, right? Your looks, your appearance, your, how many followers you have on social media, you know, how much money you make, where do you live, what house you have, what car you drive, you know, what iPhone number you have, you know. Like, there's so many ridiculous things that people draw their identity and value from, right? It just depends what age you are. You know, if you're a teenager, you know, how much were your shoes, you know? Are those the $3,500 Nikes or the $12,000 ones? Oh, I guess I know who you are by the shoes you wear now, you know? It's like, 
So many things that people draw their identity from. So those are the lies. You know, how are we set free? We're set free when we know the truth. And the truth is that nothing, none of those things determine who you are or your value. And here's the thing. Whatever you... Whatever you wrongly appreciate, you will mistreat. Okay? So if you appreciate yourself, like a house is appreciated, right? Based on, you know, if there's tile and if there's granite and if there's, or, you know. So whatever you misappreciate, and starting with you, you will mistreat. The reason why so many people tolerate disrespect, you know, uh, you know in relationships or, you know, or, or, or abuse or, or, or things like that, it's because they, they have misvalued themselves. They misappreciated themselves. And so whatever you misappreciate, you will mistreat. We are the most precious thing to God. And we need to see ourselves that way and treat ourselves that way. But we, it doesn't happen automatically unless we're in a relationship with Him. So, hope you got something out of that today. Amen. <clears throat> I want to pray um, before before James comes up to dismiss. Um, and um, if you would just close your eyes right there, you know, and just you know, if if you don't know yet, you know, like, well, I don't know where I get my value from. You know, let's just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, where do I get my value? Where do I really get my value right now? You know. Like what, or ask him, what things do I get value from that I shouldn't? There you go. What things do I get value from that I shouldn't? I'm not saying they're not important things, okay? But I'm saying it shouldn't be the source or the main source of our value and our identity. It shouldn't be the one thing by which we appreciate our lives. So what things do I get value from that I shouldn't? Holy Spirit, would you show us? Because you're the one that leads us into all truth. Yep, it's the time to be real with God. You know, it's where you allow God to be brutally honest with you. Maybe it's performance, maybe it's looks, maybe it's accomplishments, maybe it's other stuff, right? You say, but not all of it, right? No, not all of it, but, but they're still there. I tell him, Holy Spirit, I want to I wanna draw my full value from, from your love for me. Go ahead, just tell him, Holy Spirit, I want to draw my full value from your love for me, from who you say I am. And just see that almost like, like a download just come in right now into your heart, into your mind, you know, that he tells you, you know, what, what I see right now is when Jesus was baptized in water, the heavens opened up and a voice came out from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And right now, as you're sitting right there and truth is hitting your heart and lies are being discovered, God is speaking over you. And he says, this is my son. This is my daughter. 
whom I am so well pleased. And that is you. That is you. He's so pleased in you just because he created you. Because he sent his son to die for you. That's it. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything else. You're loved and you're accepted. Just be you, who he created you to be. He doesn't require performance. He doesn't require accomplishments. Your value is intact. Not even your mistakes and the messes that you've made in the past or this morning. None of those things, none of those things can disrupt your value, your identity in him. So Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that this morning you seal truth in our hearts. That you seal truth in our hearts of who we are in you. We say we will do what Colossians 1, what Colossians 3 said. And we choose to get to know you as we discover our full identity in you. For the things you prepared for us to do. In Jesus' name.